Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. sensitive topic. Yes, excuse me while I get the camera going here. It seems like every time I switch an input, something weird happens. Okay. Uh, It's not that I love this topic. Okay. I, I find it kind of annoying, maybe in the same way some of you do. Maybe when it comes up, you guys rejoice and you say, hey, we should be talking about this more. It doesn't really matter either way. Um, and even if I present what I have to say and you guys accept it, I mean, that's certainly not going to be the last time it comes up because this show doesn't have that kind of influence, unfortunately. But... Because the Jacksonville Jaguars decided to sign Tim Tebow, which really means they gave him a um, a camp invite. I mean, there's no there's no guarantee he's going to make the team. Obviously, because that happened, and he hasn't played in what eight years, it's brought out of the woodwork all the Kaepernick defenders. I haven't seen any reaction from Kaepernick himself. Maybe maybe he has. I don't know. And, and that's actually a distinction that I want to make. You see the second uh, item down there, Colin Kaepernick, CK versus his defenders. I think it's important to distinguish what's come out of his mouth and what's what his intentions are versus some of the things that are said by his defenders, because I don't think that they always line up. Okay, so I want to try to address both. All right, so the outrage today is that Tim Tebow has, you know, he's been he's been giving this offer. And let me just read you some of the, the reactions on social media. I know social media, it's not a good indicator of how people think it might not be. And if you go through all the responses to some of this stuff, Thankfully, it appears to me that most people are willing to use common sense and not reduce everything to race, an act which I find to be pretty disgusting because I was raised in a world where, you know, Martin Luther King's words actually mattered. Content of their character, not by the color of their skin in reference to his kids. All right. So those words had a profound impact on me when I was a kid, as they did to a lot of my peers who seem to have forgotten Okay, what that means. Now it's, well, everything is race. If you're colorblind, you're racist. Okay, well, so you, so you want me to recognize color, then you want me to boil down, you want me to look past everything that you actually are, look at your color and define you that way. That, that's what you want. Yeah. All right, well... Your race is really good at all this stuff. Racist. <laughs> I mean, it, it's self-defeating. It doesn't even it doesn't make sense from the get go. So that kind of um, 
that willing, that callous <laughs> willingness to just take logic and reason and even good intentions and just flush them down the toilet is something that I struggle with personally. All right. Some of the reactions. Josina Anderson, well-known reporter. Waiting, waiting for Kaepernick, waiting for Colin Kaepernick to sign with the Jaguars as a tight end too. dot, dot, dot. Wait, no. Okay. I mean, I didn't know that Colin Kaepernick wanted to be a tight end. In fact, one of the important pieces about this whole thing is that I'm not even entirely convinced that Colin Kaepernick wants to play football. Because in the few instances where there were actually meetings held, say, like between he and the Seahawks or the entire NFL ownership stopped what it was doing in order to hold a workout for him in Atlanta and watch him. And then he decided to be a no show and hold his own workout elsewhere. It kind of tells me that the intentions may not be what people think. Okay. Stephen Pasquale, who happens to be white. Let's see what he does. Uh, he he's an actor, producer, writer, director, teacher, Southpaw with 56,000 followers. OK. Uh, he says Tim Tebow finding a team and Colin Kaepernick can't white privilege NFL style. Tebow can't throw, never could, never played tight end, and hasn't played in, what, eight years? Explain it to me like I'm five. All right, well, because you're making the same claims a five-year-old might make, I guess I'm left with no choice but to do that. Even if the logic seems to point against Tim Tebow being in any way qualified to be a tight end in the NFL. What does that have to do with Colin Kaepernick? But what does that have to do? I, I know that a lot of Kaepernick detractors have attempted to make the point that, well, his career was on a downturn anyway. So five years out, how good could he be? Both of those arguments against both players are actually good ones. But both of those but both of those arguments being made together as an explanation for as Stephen Pasquale says here white privilege NFL style no it it, it in no way confirms that. Why? Because there could be many explanations as to why NFL personnel, specifically the teams themselves, don't want Kaepernick on their team, but might prefer to give Tim Tebow a shot. And neither one of them has to do with race. We'll come back to that. Des Bryant. So Tebow hasn't played an NFL game in damn near a decade, and it's that simple. No hate, but you got to be kidding me. <laughs> no hate. All right. Uh, Grant Liffman. I don't know who he is. There's no scenario in which Tim Tebow provides more use on a football field than Colin Kaepernick. Absolutely zero. Well, again, except for, oh, I don't know, the desire to actually play football. That would be one. Oh, and this is this is my favorite one. 
The fact that religious chauvinist Tim Tebow gets another shot at the NFL before Colin Kaepernick does proves once and for all, once and for all, it's not about talent and never was. Religious chauvinist. Huh. I wonder what all of the players in the NFL, many of whom are black, who happen to be religious, I wonder what they'd have to say about that. I mean, Tim Tebow can't be the only guy in the league who believes in God, right? Or who's religious, of a religious affiliation. But that doesn't matter to Ron Placone here, because as long as he specifically targets Tim Tebow, that's all that matters. Ahmed Ali. All these people, well, most of them have blue check marks, like the magical blue check mark next to their names. Interesting how the same people that are praising Tim Tebow for his values outside of football see Colin Kaepernick's values as a distraction. I guess we should start there. What's the because because there's all these there's all these misleading pictures of Kaepernick kneeling side by side with Tim Tebow kneeling. Now, as far as I know, Tim Tebow kneeling was never done as a public protest against an institution that's uniquely American, such as, well, I don't know, the flag, the anthem, government-run um, police departments like Tim Tebow what he kneels as far as I understand and correct me if I'm wrong he's praying to himself and if you think that Colin Kaepernick was doing the same thing without any sort of public implications then I'll uh, I'm not really sure if you're going to be capable of understanding anything that I say or anybody else for that matter if you think that that's the same thing but again this is the this is the I'm not going to say the the uh, the most common sort of thought that you see on social media but it is the loudest and it is the same one that pressures politicians and businesses to enact um, abhorrent practices like white privilege training, which I read about yesterday, okay? Focus on race. Make people hate themselves without any justification. In fact, the mere request for justification is racism unto itself, as is any defensiveness shown by the person who's told to hate themselves. I mean, that, that whole process right there, that's going to lead to a good outcome. That, that's my understanding. Okay. So let's examine what Colin Kaepernick's intentions were from the beginning. And I've got some quotes from him. Uh... I hope these are not taken out of context. I'm going to try to read just the ones that seem to have pretty clear meaning. Like they might, they're not referring to something else, but who knows? We have a lot of people that are oppressed. We have a lot of people that aren't treated equally, aren't given equal opportunities. 
Police brutality is a huge thing that needs to be addressed. There's a lot of issues that need to be talked about, need to be brought to life, and we need to fix those. A lot of people that aren't treated equally, like not given the same respect, value for their life. Yeah, that happens. I'm not going to say that that's so problematic that we see it at every turn, but yeah, it happens. Police brutality is a huge thing. Again, not uncommon, and where it occurs needs to be addressed, yes. But it's not exactly the norm either. Okay, and and the proof is, (laughs) I mean, look around you. I mean, the, the fact that the fact that we don't only see police brutality videos on on social media should be some proof of that. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to continue to stand with the people that are being oppressed. Let's see what, what else we got here. There was a good one that I liked. Uh, It was, oh, this is, this is really the one I was looking for when I set out to find quotes. He says, it was just something. I didn't agree with what the flag was representing at the time. And, you know, if you look at the original picture where people addressed it, I was trying to sit behind the coolers and out of the way because I didn't want to interrupt anybody else's right to stand and hold attention to the flag. Okay, well, he gave it that much thought. That's good. That's good that he gave it that much thought. But here's the problem. If you're a public person and you consider a public action and don't think through the possible reaction to it, that's a problem. Because if you come out of the situation saying, well, I just did what I did with no regard for what happens afterwards. I mean, believe me, I know I say a lot of stuff on Twitter that's not that's not going to make people happy. But there are far more thoughts that popped into my head that I don't share because I know what the consequences will be, not just for me, but for everybody else out there. Like, it's not my intention to make people feel bad, even though sometimes that's the result. So saying, oh, I was off in a corner, I mean, come on. What, what, what society do you think we're living in? Nobody, nobody is free of surveillance, especially not the quarterback. Okay, so that's that's a that's kind of naive. All right. Problem two. When you isolate the flag, all right, something that it means it's a symbolic representation of many different ideas, a lot of different things. But I think the majority of people if they're shown an image of the flag, are going to have at least similar reactions. What does that make you think of? Oh, America, our country, George Washington, you know, whatever it is. So, for again, and now this is a claim that his defenders make. 
All right. There is a certain person who I debated on the air many times who made this claim. Well, Kaepernick wasn't protesting the flag. All right. Well, giving him the giving him and you the benefit of the doubt. How how does he get the authority to define for other people what the flag means to them? I mean, he it's his right, certainly to kneel and to look at the flag and look at it as a symbol of impression. Absolutely. No, quite like I don't I haven't even heard anybody argue that. But what you can't do is link the flag with oppression in this country, say it publicly, and then act like the, the reaction to you is unjustified because everybody didn't see it the same way you did. That's a big, big thing. Okay, because we don't all see the same issue or symbol the exact same way. That's actually one of the great things about the country. All right, but the second you declare publicly in the interest, I mean, if you're making a public statement, my assumption is that you want to present a, your idea to me, right, or, or to us. Now, if you think we should just stay back and not react, well, that would be the same thing as me saying, Colin, you shouldn't react to anything that you think is important because I see it a different way. I know that, that that's not an easy um, concept to swallow because while we have the right in this country to disagree, we also, without suppressing an opinion, we have the right to react. Okay, which brings me to my next point. The NFL or any business, as, as disturbing as this sounds, any business actually, I mean, well, hold on, depending on the state. I know up here in Washington, Washington is what's called an at-will state, which means your business, your employer can fire you for any reason. Okay, believe me, because I, uh, I had to look into that <laughs> when it almost happened. And then later did kind of happen. Okay, so if, you, if I'm walking around the, the office putting up, you know, flyers for some march I'm attending, and it's really, you know, pissing everybody off, and I'm creating an, uh, not an unsafe workspace, but, you know, I'm causing problems, I'm confrontational as a result of these beliefs, and I'm espousing them at every turn. 
And then I do some other like little thing. The company can actually look at that little unrelated thing and fire me over that, even though the real reason is because <laughs> is because I I'm an annoyance to everybody like they can do that as a private business. They can do that. Now, that, that sounds tyrannical and it is in a way. But let's just give Kaepernick and his defenders the benefit of the doubt and say that he was blackballed. Okay, worst case scenario, all the NFL owners called one another up and they were like, hey, uh, what do you think of, what do you think of this thing Kaepernick's doing? Like, I don't know if I really agree with this. I, I don't know if I want this on my team. Like, do we even want it in the league? Okay, well, let, let's, let's just not entertain any idea of him being in the league. That may seem really wrong. And I'll even go so far as to agree that it is, but they can do it. And when you sort through the reasons as to why they might, you could, you might start to make a case to understand that. Okay. Cause there's this other complaint that, well, Tim Tebow would bring a media circus to the team. You say the same thing about Colin Kaepernick. Okay. Here's the, here's the difference. First of all, Tim Tebow doesn't often demonstrate like prior to, after, before, or during a game in order to send controversial messaging that's going to divide people. I mean, just saying you're, I mean, despite what this other guy thinks who I just read, saying you're religious is not a crime, nor is it intentionally divisive. Okay, pointing to a symbol which represents lives lost, lives willingly laid down in order to preserve a country where you and I can have this exchange and where Colin Kaepernick can, can have that right without being imprisoned. That's what that means to me. And I think of specific people, my grandfathers, my great uncles, etc. They were of that World War II generation. That means that means a lot to me. So if I'm an owner and I feel like this message is divisive and the player is only ever going to be a backup quarterback on my team, why, why do I have an obligation to then extend him an invite? Again, the exercise, the right to exercise that free speech, as I've been told many, many times by my seriously left-leaning friends, okay, prior to this, okay, the right to free speech does not exempt you from the consequences of whatever that may be. I mean... In this country, we can't be imprisoned for what's called hate speech. That's actually a good thing. It protects people like Colin Kaepernick. Okay, this, this wildly oppressive country 
actually protects me, Colin Kaepernick, from imprisonment. But what it doesn't do is prevent a private business from making its own decisions about who they do and don't want to be part of their or on their payroll. Okay, so again, even if the the blackballing is somehow validated, proven by you know all, all the faulty logic that I see used, even then, you may look at that and point the finger and think that that's unfair, and you might be right. But at the same time, there's no business that is obligated to hire anybody. And that's good. That's good. Now, I know now, we're, just as a side note, every time I apply for a job... And at the end of the application, they ask me, are you a veteran? Are you, what race are you, do you identify as? What's your sexual orientation? In the name of, by the way, in the name of the, the Fair and Equality Act or whatever it's called. It, I mean, I start thinking to myself, like, man, A, I'm not really sure if the fairest way to hire people is to just to say, all right, we need an equal amount of people who are LGBTQ or male or female or black or white or Hispanic. Like, I mean, just trying to carve up an equal representation from all of those different cross-sections, from those arbitrarily picked out characteristics, it seems to me like an impossibility. Okay, leaving aside the fact that if I were at my place of business and I were employed and my boss came up to me and said, uh, Tom, which of these sexual orientations do you identify as? And if one of the options being, I don't wish to answer, just the utterance of that question, you would think would give me a pretty open and shut lawsuit. Like it's your business as to who I go to bed with and what I do there. Okay, so. And I'm, and I'm sorry to you know go on, go on that tangent there, but like all of all of this stuff is connected. It's because there's one one side seems to have the the prevailing narrative or ideology that's now seeping its way into all of our lives, right? I mean, you would think maybe what Kaepernick would have wanted would to be would you know him to peacefully protest and all of us just sort of be like oh okay well you know he did that and just walk away but if that happens how many other consequences of this ideology are going to be forcibly put upon us This is this is this is really important stuff. Okay, I mean, I, I know some people may have, and I, I'll put myself in this camp. 
for about five years when I was at um, when I was at seven ten. Most of the people, most, not all, most of the people that worked on the sports side. In fact, it doesn't, you know what, it doesn't even matter the number because the people that felt comfortable enough to espouse their, per- their political beliefs all came from the extreme left. And th- I had to sit there basically on the sidelines for five years hearing about how... <laughs> The, the patriarchy, the fact that sports talk radio is a male-dominated industry, not that the numbers of male applicants is higher, much higher, and not that there's a, there's a whole glut of female applicants being intentionally kept out, but it, that it's a male-dominated industry and everything is unfair to women there, even though... They're hired with lesser lesser qualifications and are fast tracked along into positions that me or somebody else may have had to work for years for to even sniff. And could I say anything back? No, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare. In fact, when I started to a little bit, I, I felt the ground beneath me start to shake. Okay, and, and the reason why I'm pointing out some of the perceived or at least unverified claims that were made in my presence is because after five years of doing that, I, I actually couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't. But then something interesting happened. Oh, let me let me put it this way. Something tragic happened that led me to an interesting conclusion. All right. George Floyd, a clear and indisputable victim of police brutality, in my mind, was murdered before all of our eyes. Right. That night when we all saw that. I was so first heartbroken, but then angry that I called up my fiance and I said, we need to go down. We need to go downtown in Seattle and we need to stand there and make our presence known. Now, as we were kind of getting our act together, we were watching what was going on in the news and decided that, okay, you know what? It's getting a little dangerous down there. I'm not sure this is a good idea. Okay. But even in feeling that way, I still thought to myself, like, something's off. Something's not right here. Like, we see all these videos. What have we seen? About a dozen or so videos of uh, a black man being killed by a police officer, white or not. I thought, okay, well... How many police interactions are there in this country every year? And how many fatalities, police-involved shootings, are there? Because I've never really heard it, to previous to that point, anybody even ask that question. Right? I mean, this, this, this one act George, toward George Floyd seemed abhorrent enough. But then I started thinking back to Kaepernick, and I was like, well... You know, his claim is, you know, police brutality and it's a, it's a it's a 
it's an offense that needs to be dealt with. And there are people who are oppressed. And then you start hearing about things like, well, systematic racism within institutions. And I assume when I hear that, I assume they mean the police. Right. I mean, if you're calling for the, if you're calling to defund the police or whatever you feel should be done there. So I'm thinking, okay, well, is there any evidence of this at all? Any, anywhere? Like, like, like what, like even just to prove that, is there any? So I dug around. I may actually made a few phone calls to to a few friends. And one of them, who happens to be a professor, sent me this study. It's done by the University of Maryland and Michigan State by their departments of psychology. And it's interesting, okay, because... Again, in, in going through some of these figures, what I want to know is, is what Colin Kaepernick is kneeling for even a worthwhile cause? Okay, I mean, oppression seems like it is. Police violence seems like it is. But if it's not, if it's not prevalent or common to the extent that people in his camp would have you believe, then we need to re-examine our attitudes towards it. We need to examine as to whether or not arguing over this and pointing fingers at one, or not, at one another and making claims like systematic racism here, there, everywhere. We, we, need to, we need to know if that's true because guess what? If it's not, guess what we can do? We can we can actually focus on the areas where it does exist. Okay, we don't have to distract ourselves with something that's inflated or even made up. And this study, believe it or not, sets out on the premise that racial disparities in police officer involved shootings does exist. I mean, obviously it does. Otherwise, they wouldn't do the study. If they didn't suspect that, why, I mean, why, would you, why would you study it? But what they do, what, the reason why I think this study is key is because instead of working backwards from the race of the victim and trying to prove racism, they work forward from the police officer trying to figure out if race is a good predictor for police officer-involved fatalities. You understand the difference? So most people, they say, oh, well, what race was the victim? Black. Oh, it's racist. This works from the police officer forward, takes into account certain benchmarks like um, what area are these shootings taking place in? Um, what are the circumstances of the shooting? Is it... You know, there's there's this thing that happens to evidently a lot of white people called suicide by cop where they're mentally ill and they basically implore the cop to shoot them. That actually happened to a former high school classmate of mine uh, who about five years ago was carjacked somebody and then drove down I-84 into New York and was wielding a knife either at someone or the police or something and they shot him dead. I mean, it wasn't exactly widely reported for, you know, obvious reasons, but it does happen. 
Okay, so basically, I'm going to try to summarize, and you can you can check it out if you want. You can just Google this. Okay, you can Google that title and Google University of Maryland or Michigan State or whatever you want. Okay, but there's a couple of interesting conclusions here. Okay, and this is the one that's most often debated among those who are even interested in statistics. Because I understand that when this issue gets brought up, many on either side don't even want to examine the reality of it. And I'm not saying that this is gospel, but it's better than just looking at Twitter and getting mad and letting your emotion tell you that this problem is far worse or, or um, as maybe more inconsequential than you think. Okay, that's kind of the purpose of these studies. We let things like scientific method and research guide us, hence the COVID vaccine, okay? So this is the one that gets that trips people up a lot. 26% of civilians killed by police shootings in 2015 were black, even though black civilians comprise only 12% of the U.S. population. Hmm. Well, that's not good. They're only 12%, and yet they're being killed at over two times the rate of their white counterparts. Hmm. That doesn't sound good. But according to this benchmark, more black civilians are fatally shot than we would expect um, because when violent crime is used as that benchmark, anti-black disparities in these shootings disappear or often reverse. Okay, and you might ask, okay, well, what's determining this? Like what what factors actually do predict the race of a person fatally shot by police? And here's the answer. The pro as the proportion of violent crime in areas where the proportion of violent crime committed by black civilians increases, a person fatally shot was more likely to be black. As the proportion of violent crime committed by Hispanic civilians increased, a person fatally shot was more likely to be Hispanic. As white crime rates increased, a person fatally shot was less likely to be black. So in other words, if you're in an area where white crime is the norm, and it's being perpetrated at a high rate, and there's only a handful of black people in the area, you're more likely to be shot if you're white, as you would expect. Okay, so the biggest predictor that this study found for fatal shootings by police is actually not race. It's the proportion of violent crime being committed in a certain area. And if you're somebody who lives in that area, you're more likely to be shot, unfortunately. And, and there's more, actually, because it's not even like um, you're going to be shot by a white cop. OK, because listen to this. Although officer race was related to racial disparities, the fact that black and Hispanic civilians were more likely to be shot by same race officers was largely explained by similarities between offer officer and county demographics. I mean, police 
officers are usually drawn from the usually usually drawn from the same area as the people in whom they come in contact with. So if you live in a predominantly um, non-white area, the likelihood of a police officer being non-white is a heck of a lot greater. And when you couple that with the with the rate of violent crime occurring in the area, this is a perfect storm for a catastrophe. One of the clearest results is that violent crime rates strongly predict the race of a person fatally shot at a high level, reducing race specific violent crime should be an effective way to reduce fatal shootings of black and Hispanic adults. Meaning, if, if the rate of violent crime can't accurately be pinned on a specific race or a group of races, that will in turn reduce the amount of fatal shootings that that race of people has to suffer. I mean, so far, I don't think that what I've read here is all that controversial. But read it in front of some of the people whose tweets I read earlier, and I didn't, I'd immediately be outcast. Here, I mean, just a few more random points about it. We attempted to control for civilian threat level by measuring whether they were armed and attacking but found these variables unrelated to the race of a person fatally shot. So that, that the idea of somebody being armed didn't determine their own race any more than it did whether or not they'd be shot. So whether, whether a particular officer shows bias in any individual case is a different question than whether officers in general show bias. Claims of national bias requires examining fatal force in aggregate and not just one incident, which is basically the mistake that we all make whenever we jump on social media and we or we turn on the news and we see one or two or three or even four videos that may have been arbitrarily selected for their sensationalism and potential to get eyeballs on those videos. And if you don't believe that, explain this to me. OK, I mean. I think we can all acknowledge. I mean, e even if even if we even if you find the the premise of that 26 to 12 percent unsteady, you still have to acknowledge that hundreds of white people are being shot every year. Right. Now, I'm not saying that. There should be the same level of outrage for that, but as uh, a, a talk show host named Matt Walsh, who until a few days ago I was unfamiliar with, pointed out, why is the ratio of outrage between white victims and black victims zero to 100? I mean, no outrage. 
for any for any of those victims. I mean, like we're only ever shown evidence, unfortunately, of a black victim. So while that suggests multiple problems in those communities, either amongst the civilians or between the police officers and the civilians or some combination of some other variable with those two things. I mean, the outrage and in, in, uh, the disgust, I think, is justified. But to not even acknowledge that this is happening to people of other races, whether they're white or Asian or Indian or, or who knows, to not even acknowledge that is odd. And when Kaepernick, just back to him, I mean, I hope that I didn't take you on too much of a dark journey there. But when Kaepernick, if he took a knee and said, this is for all the victims of police brutality, every one of them, regardless of race or or religion or whatever, height, weight, I'd be like, you know what? All right. I mean, you need to be a little bit more specific than that, but okay. But then goes on to talk about not having equal opportunities and oppressed people. You start to lose me a little bit there because tell me, just tell me under the protection of the law, who who exactly is oppressed? And I can imagine what the response is going to be. Right. It's going to be it's going to be basically anybody except a straight white male. Because we supposedly have all this power. So why is it then that. It's rare. That any of the people who require this protection, who are oppressed, ever get fired from their jobs. For espousing their beliefs or publicly embarrassed on social media and having their character assassinated. Why is that? And, and better yet, why is it that Colin Kaepernick's defenders who think he's so oppressed? I mean, if oppression is really their issue, how come there's no outrage on the on the behalf of all these other people? Why? I mean, why why cling to this one case where you think where you think you can say that there's all this systematic oppression going on based on like a handful of cases? Meanwhile, you've got meanwhile, the tendency, the the pathology really is to castigate anybody who historically may not have been um, oppressed. And and before, you know, any of you say, well, doesn't Tom know his history? Yeah. okay, I know what the history is. And I'm I'm more than well aware of the impact that that may have had through the generations. Okay, I'm not (laughs) if you want to ask me why violent crimes may be taking place in these neighborhoods, we can have that discussion. Believe me. Okay, and there's and there's a lot of blame to go around there. But again, this uh, this tendency to immediately jump to race, which is 
the reason why that's not a good idea is because it's one of the most inflammatory, destructive, dividing, uh, hateful things somebody could do, which is why we try to look at other, the things other than that. Like, oh, well, how do you treat people? Uh, are you competent? Do you show respect? Do you, you know, just decency, things like that. That's why we value those things. I mean, if we were going to do, say, all of our hiring just based on race or gender or whatever, I mean, why ask anybody any questions at all about their competency or about their past accomplishments? If diversity and race are paramount, why bother? And as I'm sitting here, it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going through this stuff and I'm thinking, OK, well, it's kind of like as I'm speaking, I'm, I'm kind of checking myself like, hey, did, did you take anything too far? Or like, oh. The reason why I'm doing it is because, A, I care about everyone's well-being. OK, even though it's, you know, I may be overstepping my... Um, <laughs> I guess my moral bounds by like button my head in. But look, everybody else seems to have a voice. Why shouldn't one that's at least attempting to be rational about it also have a voice? Okay, I I want okay, I consider the outcome. Okay, I consider I consider like okay, if if I say this, what's the outcome gonna be? All right, well, maybe I shouldn't do that today. Maybe I'll wait for another time or wait till there's more evidence or something. But I, I fear that too often people just shout from the rooftops at the first sign of trouble without evidence and with intent to blame and point the finger. I mean, we, you know, you hear people talk about like good faith arguments, bad faith arguments. If your intent to point out a disparity is, or in pointing out a disparity, is to right a wrong and actually bring harmony to our culture, I'm, I'm all ears. Like, I'm right with you. I'll examine anything you got to say. It will help, hopefully, help each other to, to make a little progress, right? But if your intention from the get-go is just to piss off anybody who you think isn't going to obey your ideology in the hopes that they'll just go away and you can have free reign all the while still claiming victimhood. I mean, th that's like three or four different ways right there in which your intentions are being declared in bad faith. If your intention is mostly pure, and I'm not sure that anybody's really can be, I'm not sure that anybody can really be totally without bias. I mean, I, I I'll just, and I've said this maybe before, but I tend not to be able to take as seriously the claims of people who claim victimhood at every turn. I mean, in a certain situation, we're all going to find that eventually we're victims of something. Right. Some some situations being more uh, of severe consequence than others. 
But when it's every event illustrates this point and it illustrates this point, not just because of the way it reflects on my gender or my or my um, or my race or whatever. That's problematic because now you're putting everybody in a no win situation and it comes off as vindictive and power hungry. And that we can't stand for. I mean, think about this, okay? Again, now, now we're kind of like going off to the side. This is, this is the fundamental problem. When I hear like extremists try to tell me that capitalism is evil and Marxism is just, here's the main problem with that, okay? Marxism, communism, the people involved only look at any and all occurrences in terms of oppressor and oppressed. Right from the get-go, you're fostering hatred and resentment. Okay, and we've seen, as as to the way this has played out historically, that that leads to nothing but war, famine, and genocide. And human rights violations, okay, unspeakable kinds, which which lead people to want to come here, not go the other way. Okay, that's the problem with that. So when we start using that lens of oppressed oppressor where it isn't necessary, and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist anywhere. Of course it does. But how the hell are we ever going to fix the instances where it truly exists if we distract ourselves with a hundred other things? It it just can't work. I I remember when... um, the race car driver, Bubba Wallace. Remember, they, they thought they found a noose in his locker. He was a black driver. They, and they brought in the FBI to investigate the thing. But before the FBI concluded their investigation, which was only like a few days long, they were doing marches down the, down the track. Like anti-hate marches and NASCAR's racist and this needs to be fixed and this needs to be fixed. And then it turns out that the, the, the rope that was there that they thought was a noose and, and, a, and a, a, a hate crime, it was there to hold the door open. And the next day, when I went on the air to discuss it with my co-hosts, I said, man, this is a really bad day for us. And one of them disagreed. Actually, a couple people at the office did say, oh, no, look, the, the fact that we all so showed solidarity, like, like, that's great. Yeah, but you also... We also mistook that there was more racism in the world than there actually was. It's, it's better to have less racism than it is to pretend it exists or assume it does and then react against it. And if you don't agree with that, you're going to have to make a heck of a case as to why that's better. And I feel like, I mean, again, just back to Kaepernick, taking a knee, there's, you know, looking at the flag, oppression, police brutality, um, you know, black men, innocent victims. Okay, and look, maybe in a lot of cases they are, but, but has anybody even bothered to ask that question? I mean, if Colin Kaepernick is so convinced that... This gesture, public gesture, that he's right about it. Has he bothered to do any research? I mean, I don't know that he hasn't. 
But if he has, and he just discarded it, well, that's troubling. And if he read it and he believed it, and still went out there and did it, also troubling. I don't under I don't quite get why questioning what could be dangerous ideals is now being deemed as a a, a microaggression another new word because as far as I know I mean, back, you know, when colleges actually used to teach things like critical thinking, problem solving, getting to the bottom of things and looking beyond the the superficial meaning of something, which is almost never comprehensive. Like, that's what that's what we have to do. I mean, what, what, what do you think a trial is? A trial, ideally, is... You have the prosecution, you have the defense, you have prosecution evidence, you have defense evidence, and everybody knows what's going on there. And we, we vet the situation best we can without suppressing anything that's integral, hopefully. I mean, if we were just going to look at the surface level implications of everything and just use our emotion to decide what's right and wrong and what the reality actually is, I mean, why bother with a uh, why bother with the court system at all? Why not? Just, in fact, why bother with police? Why not just allow citizens to go round each other up and lock them off in the gulag? I mean, if things like evidence rationality, reason, logic, if those things aren't important. I mean, th- this is what worries me. And if it, were, if it were happening in like some, you know, secular pocket of, of some population off in like Idaho in the mountains, that'd be one thing. This is happening every day to all of us. And when I'm speaking here, I'm actually not speaking to anybody who I guess I would describe as an extremist. I'm speaking to the the folks that are kind of caught in the middle. I'm speaking to the the well, the no longer black mother who I heard speaking on a podcast yesterday about how her daughter was murdered in her neighborhood by another civilian. And when she voices her complaints about crime in the area is shot down, suppressed by other extremists because her focus needs to be on the police, not the person who actually killed her daughter. There are people out there who are suffering, mothers, fathers, brothers, cousins, friends, as a result of issues we don't look at that that really are a problem. 
because we're fixated on other things that while they while they're implicitly disgusting are not overwhelming our society or so the statistics show. I mean, you may say, oh, well, statistics can prove anything. Well, if they're if they're if they're intentionally manipulated. Yeah. But the study itself, I don't think manipulates that. And by the way, Statist- having statistics or any basis by which we might have a conversation is better than having nothing. I mean, I acknowledge, you know, you hear, oh, 26% of uh, police officer involved shootings are black men, and that's disproportionate to the population. That sounds terrible, but you know what that is? That's a jumping off ground to go verify what's true about that and what isn't to get a clearer understanding of how we can improve the situation. And and, and let me be even more clear. I'm also not saying that because this study says that um, that race is not a good predictor of police officer involved shootings, that does not mean that there are not racist or overly aggressive militarized cops. All right? And this may surprise some people out there who are not of my same race, but guess what? I know that to be true from personal experience. In 2005, I was living in Indianapolis, and I'm not going to get into the reason I called the police. Actually, I didn't call the police. I called an ambulance because I was having a health issue, a major one, which I thought I had to get to the hospital for immediately. So I called them, uh, go outside, outside my apartment, and I'm waiting for them. And as I'm waiting, I'm calling my mother, explaining to her what's going on. I was like 26 at the time, I guess, 25. But unfortunately, before the ambulance got there, a police cruiser pulls into the parking lot. And I'm kind of sitting there, you know, I I must have appeared disheveled because I was so scared. I'm talking to my mother on, on the cell phone and the cop orders me to put down the phone and get on the ground like while I'm talking to my mother. And I'm like and I'm like, oh, sir, it's okay. Like I'm the one who I'm the one who called you. And he, he repeated it. And I was like, uh, oh, OK. And, I, and I'm trying to, like, say goodbye to my mom. Like, OK, I need, I need to hang up the phone. Like, Cops here. And as I'm doing that, what does he do? Puts my hands behind my back, slams me against the police car, puts me in cuffs and then throws me on the ground. OK. Now, is that. I mean, certainly if I were um, if I were black or Hispanic or any other race, I could probably walk away from that situation claiming that is a clear cut act of racial hate. But that wouldn't take everything into account, would it? Because we have an incident now where a white cop did this to a white male. Violated him and then walked away without apology. Okay, now as violated as I may have felt 
in the in the moment, after I, you know, kind of got a hold of my wits, I, I at no point concluded that it was personal between the cop and I. I mean, I, I didn't have any reason to assume that. But what I did assume is that he was either having a bad day or he was generally power hungry or the situation confused him or he didn't know the rules or he or he didn't have any grasp over protocol or whatever. And it could be any of those things. And I was willing to leave it at that. But believe me, if I thought it was in any way intentional, I would have followed up because that's a problem. But because it wasn't. I'm not going to go around claiming that this happens to everybody every day because that wouldn't make any sense. So to Colin Kaepernick, it, 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 I, you know, I should probably note one more thing before I go. Again, going back to the blackballing thing, Even, again, even if that were the case, provably, and we all acknowledge that that was wrong, the fact that Kaepernick, since then, by his supporters, has been made into somewhat of a martyr, has appeared on the cover of Time magazine, the Timer Newsweek, I forget, got a shoe deal from Nike, book deal, movies, I mean, activities that are going to help him to profit, while at the same time, not exactly demonstrating that football is all that important to him, that hardly makes his life unfair. Because the beauty of this country is that when shit goes down, you have recourse. Like you can go out and you can try something else. And if you're already famous and you've got enough supporters, you could probably do any number of things that the rest of us can't do. So is, is, I don't, I, it's tough for me to view him as being oppressed. Maybe unfairly kicked out of the NFL, maybe. But call, I mean, and I haven't actually heard him claim that he's oppressed, but I've heard a lot of his defenders say this, read it. I, I just, that's very tough for me to buy. When somebody, when someone of wealth, true wealth, and privilege, you know, they were they were born with that kind of physical potential, for example. Tells other people with clearly lesser privilege privilege that they need to treat him as oppressed and that they have privilege over him because that's just not true. In fact, I'm not sure I could understand any argument that says it is.
Okay. Hey, descendants of slaves. Respect the flag. <laughs> well, if this is the same country that, again, afforded him the opportunity to not only play football in the first place, but then come back from that, kneel, point the finger at the country, call it oppressive, and then be able to profit from having done that? I mean, where would, where would you suggest that he go in this world to live a better life than that? Because I don't see a whole heck of a lot of Americans going to Nigeria because they think they're going to get a fairer treatment there. And again, so I see this from Dr. Trey 89. So I'm just a right wing reactionary. Let me explain something to you, partner. The fact that you even would even ask that tells me a lot more about you than it does about me. I've tried like, I mean, think about everybody who you've heard criticize Kaepernick. I've tried to be as fair as I can on the issues that he brought up. You know, I mean, I've tried. Is there anything in my voice that would suggest an attack? And by the way, Dr. Trey 89, if you think that, you know, I'm so oppressive, I mean, I don't know what race you are, but if you think that. You know, Kaepernick's so oppressed. Why don't you just turn over all your wealth to him? You have that option if you want. Maybe it's just that you don't want to actually right the wrong. You just want to make people, you want to fool people like me into hating our, myself. And guess what? I'm not falling for it. I mean, you can say I'm just a right-wing reactionary and make fun of me. You say victim, Tom. But if what you're saying to me is that nobody's allowed to be a victim except you, I mean, you're the problem. You're the problem. See, again, like, extremist walks into the room, looks around, says, all right, every white, people, every white person in here, raise your hand. All of you need to take responsibility right now for all the evils of this country. And if you attempt to even ask why, I'm going to assassinate your character. I will not sit here and accept that kind of 
murderous attitude claiming to do any good. I won't. Because you're not just a race. I'm not just a race. I'm not just a gender or a sexual orientation. I'm dozens of other things, as are you, unless your only mission in life is to emphasize the shallow characteristics we've been talking about for the last hour and 17 minutes. I've got a lot of books on that shelf there. With is is it just, you know, a series of pages with ink on them? Sentences? Or is it more than that? Are there maybe ideas, profound notions, things you can learn from? Is it more than that or is it just what it appears to be? I mean, I'll go you one better. I'm just speaking. I'm not speaking about Kaepernick. I'm speaking in response to this person here. I can't think of many things more patronizing and racist than to reduce somebody who's the, the, the as you say, the descendant of a slave down to that. And based on that, assume that they have no agency or competency of their own. I can't think of a more disgusting thing to do. Oh, you're just a descendant of a slave. I shouldn't expect the same thing of the same civility from you as I would from anybody like me. I mean, is there I can't really think of too many more ways to be more disrespectful than to do that. But that's what you say you want. But if I of course, if I ever actually did it, you'd be the first one on Twitter blasting me. So intentionally now, putting me in a no-win situation, if that's anything but an act of hostility, I, I can't wait to hear the explanation. This has been a great, great show.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.